So I'm passing one or two a lap or a corner. And on lap 11, I took the lead. When I came off of four, I thought the front the front fence at Hagerstown was going to fall on the racetrack. <laughs> it was people three deep climbing the fence, shaking the fence. It was unbelievable. And it was the most spectacular thing that I've probably ever done in my life. Episode 17, Tank Slapping Podcast. Back at it with my co-host, Slamming. Is that a, his nickname? Slamming Sammy Sabedra? What's your... What's your... Uh, you know, I've had a lot of little nicknames over the years, man. I gotta say Slamming. Sammy Halbert owns that, and, you know, it's been said back in my mini bike days, but uh, back in my, once again, going back to my heyday, which was my mini bike days, uh, Sneaky Sam, because I used to get whole shots like <laughs> I paid the stalker. You know what I mean? Okay. So call me out, Sneaky All right. Sam. But anyway, I, like, I appreciate it. I like it. Sneaky Sorry. Sam, dude. That's cool, yeah. <laughs> I was just going with the slamming, I guess, just because I'm so used to calling Sammy Halbert slamming Sammy. But Sneaky Sammy Sabedra is my co-host. Pretty stoked on tonight's show. Appreciate you guys for tuning in the last few weeks. Uh, We had Josh Hayes. We had George Roeder. Tonight, I'm amped up. Uh, We got my favorite rider going up on the show. and I am so It's Rusty Rogers. I'm so amped, too, Corey. I'm sorry to interrupt you on that. That's how amped I am. Yeah, it's it's gonna be good. That this guy, this guy's my favorite rider, and I feel obliged to let the world know about Rusty Rogers. I feel like not many young kids growing up know much about this guy, and I'm trying to kind of trying to get him out there and and uh, and show people the the youth today what kind of rider this guy was, how exciting he was, his personality, um, just no fucks given on the racetrack just just a great guy too off the track he's got a son right now that's racing motocross he's uh actually loretta loretta lens qualifier which is pretty cool and yeah it's pretty cool so we got rusty rogers coming on and i'm excited about it absolutely man me too you know it's not often uh that you get to talk about a guy that crashes with admiration right like rusty (laughs) like his yeah. crashes are legendary, man. They're, they're like, you know, I know maybe some of the young, young kids don't like aren't hip to Rusty yet. But if you talk to somebody that's 30 years plus, oh, man, mention Rusty Rogers. And they're going to be like, dude, Rusty Rogers. Well, you can tell Sammy's excited as well. We're, we're both amped up and want to give a shout out first and foremost to our sponsors, Bell Power Sports. All three champions from the American Flat Track Series last season wore the Bell Race Star Flex. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. Uh, If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. So, again, thanks to Bell for coming on board and supporting our our podcast. And also shout-out to Vancouver Flat Track Club, VFTC. They're a group of friends who like to go fast. They host flat track races at the Pemberton Speedway, located between Whistler and Pemberton on Highway 99 in British Columbia. Check out their website, VancouverFlatTrackClub.com. Also, they're on social media. History results schedule on their website. Check out our race when we get rolling once again. And we got a shout-out. We have Trailway Speedway. On June 6th, it's a Saturday, they're hosting the 2020 AMA Vintage National Short Track. Gates open at 8 a.m., practices at 10 a.m., and the heats start shortly after. The track will practice social distancing, so make sure you wear a mask, bring your own pen, 
Um, the event is presented by Hanum's Harley Davidson, Tommy Hanum, local Harley shop here in Pennsylvania. District six classes will also be ran at this event. And it's one of my favorite, favorite racetracks. I mean, it's, I grew up racing that track and, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. So make sure you check out that on uh, June 6th and not much going on, Sammy. What, what do you think, uh, what, what's going on so far last week in flat track world? Before I get into that, I think it's pretty obvious you're uh, tuned into your, uh, you know, Southern Rusty Rogers, because when you uh, mentioned trailway and social distancing, you said social distancing. And I like that, man. So that's cool. Um, You know, I don't know everybody. There's a lot of speculation when it comes to racing right now. Everybody's like, oh, you know what race or this or that. There's a couple of little rumors around a campfire, but, you know, nobody can say for certain right now. So I don't know, man, you're guess is as good as mine um all i know is uh and i'm sure i speak for everybody listening in i can't wait to go racing man sling some dirt i'm ready yeah we want to give a shout out to mother's day was this past weekend we appreciate all the race moms out in the world for keeping us going you know i i grew up at the races with my dad and after my dad passed away my mom came to some races when she could but after my dad passed away my mom really stepped up for me and shana and and my mom mom too my mom mom fitz charles and my grandpa but this is mother's day and those two they've done a lot for me uh, my whole life but they have really stepped up supporting me and shana in our racing career the past decade and they come to every race pretty much east of the mississippi river they, they travel all over and and just so many great moms out there. Shout out to uh, Ann Carr, Chris Carr's mom, who we lost recently. And shout out to all the, you know, Loretta Raspoli, a couple I can think of. We lost her, James Raspoli's mom, a while back. And there's just so many great moms. I'm sure there's many more that I'm forgetting. But you guys are the real MVPs. You keep us going, and uh, and we appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned all those names, Corey. And uh, there's so many moms out there that have uh, supported their kids and husbands uh, just pursuing their dreams, man. So that's really cool. Big shout out to all the moms. And, you know, how many moms are listening? I don't know, but I hope there's a lot. So big shout out to them, man. Uh, And kudos to you, Corey, for bringing that up, man. That's really cool. Well, you made mention of it before we got on, so I don't want to take your thunder on that. That was that was a great idea, and uh, I want to give a shout out to my mom. She used to race a little bit in the Powder Puff class. What? She actually, what? She actually rode uh, Kevin Varnes' bike. That was her uh, Powder Puff bike back in the day, and she told me a story of her crashing his, uh, I think it was his 80 or something, and he actually <laughs> cried because he crashed his <laughs> bike. Awesome. So. So, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was pretty interesting. And, you know, there wasn't there hasn't been any like actual races going on, Sammy, but we had a pretty damn competitive virtual race last Sunday. Did you get a chance to watch that? You know what? Um, Because it was Mother's Day and, uh, you know, just just because it was that and I had a a hot date plan for my mom, for my mama, uh, I couldn't commit to the full thing, but I had a blast watching. I probably watched like an hour and 15, 20 minutes of it, and it was hilarious, man. I like I, I tune in, and I see your get-up, and I'm like, oh, all right, I'm in. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, I was having fun with it. I I got this Rossi game probably three, four weeks ago. I've been talking about it on the podcast. I saw there was an Xbox League, and I'm not a big gamer anymore, but when I was younger, and I haven't talked about this at all, but I've had a few Land Sharks. I'm going to bring it up. I was nationally ranked at Mario Kart for Super Nintendo 
what? a couple of the racetracks at one point. What? Are I you was, serious? When I was young, yep. I was actually like top five on, on one of the ghost tracks on Super Nintendo. So I got some gamer background to me and, and I got, got the game and I was, you know. Cred. You got some street yeah, cred. I'm a nerd, you know. So I got the game, got got practicing. I really enjoy it. It's so realistic, this flat track game. And Carter and myself, we put together a little race. We had, man, eight of the guys. So we had a 12 rider main event. Eight of the guys in the main event were pro riders. Um, Don Gautier actually grabbed the win. Um, I got second, and then third was a young kid from California, Spencer Young. I, I actually won the second moto. And then I thought I had it in the bag. I announced that I had won it, and it turned out that uh, Andrew Luker, who got second, he cut the track quite a bit, got time it added. Till, it ain't over till the fat lady sinks. <laughs> yeah, well, I was pretty bummed on that. I, I thought I had it, and uh, yeah, Luker, Luker got docked the position, which bumped Dalton up, and his 3-2 scores beat my 5-1 score. My first moto was awful. I I blame the Land Shark, dude. Honestly, I was struggling. Um, but we did the moto format. We gave the guys two races. Just you know, PlayStation. A lot of shit can happen. So figured that would give guys a fair shot. Um, it helped me out a lot. Obviously, I got fifth in that first moto. But yeah, it worked out. It worked out well. And we reached. I think we were close to twenty thousand people that watched that coverage. Wow. And my phone's wow. been blowing up. So it, it was a big success. And Big thanks to the sponsors of that race, Bell Helmets, Motul, Chris Carter, Scotty Dubler was the announcer, Ray Rizzo did the pre-race prayer, we had special guests, Jake Johnson, Breyer, um, you know, it, it was really cool, and maybe that's something, uh, if, you know, maybe we could do it again. That's awesome, man, you know, uh, you know, there's one thing you never want to ask a racer, and that's his age, but, you know, and I've been, it's been a sore subject with me, because I try to be a young guy, but... It's no secret. I'm old, man. I'm a north of that four zero club. I'm riding the 40 plus class. So with that said, man, back in my day, you know, uh, we used to play like that a uh, world outlaw sprint car game. You know, even Jared was a young kid and he, he was jamming out to that game and uh, a bunch of old racers did that. But watching you guys have so much fun in all the just BS that went along with it and all the chuckles, man, I'm like. I got my eye on a PS4, man. I want to line up with you. <laughs> I love it. You should have heard us. If we could broadcast our what we were saying on the headsets, it was just epic, man. It was so so much fun. And, yeah, the World of Outlaw games, is st- I still talk about that game. It's still one of the best games I've ever played. It's it's so realistic. I, I love that game. That's for PS2. Yeah, it's I still, still have a PS2. Game. The only reason why I still have a PS2 is for that game and i own just in case i wear it out i own like three copies of that that world well that game's yeah. actually really hard to find it's like pretty expensive and rare to find i mean you can't find it i think it's like 40 50 dollar game and it's god it's like 15 20 years old so yeah that was that was awesome we, we had a lot of fun with that race but man i think we've waited long enough i think we should call it a human highlight reel yes Carl, i'm excited rogers a call Calling him in. Sweet. Hello. Rusty Rogers, Corey Texter here, Sammy Sabedra. Thanks for coming on our show, buddy. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, man, no complaints. I, I wish we were at a racetrack, but uh, we get to talk racing, and I'm stoked to have you on the show. I know you probably know I've been trying to have you on for quite a bit, and uh, 
wanted to chat with you, man. You're, I mean, I don't know if you want this title or not, but you were my favorite rider growing up, whether you, whether you like it or not. And yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to have you on the show. What, what, what have you been up to lately? Oh, the same old stuff as a, you know, retired dirt tracker and got a, got a kid and we're doing the motocross thing and, and, um, you know, having fun and, uh, me and my wife, we're still a part of all of what he does, and we're a part of the district, District 13. I'm the uh, the chairman, and I head up all the banquet and all the, all of that stuff. My wife, she's the event coordinator, and I couldn't do it without her. Or I wouldn't be in it if it weren't for Corey, my son, racing. So still involved in two wheels, just a little different aspect of the sport. That that is really cool, uh, Sammy here, uh, Rusty. By the way, but that is really cool to hear that you know you're carrying that on as a kind of a family deal. You know, a lot of our listeners here obviously are uh, dirt track fans and go way back. Man, I I I I almost don't know where to start because I mean, you know, you you raced during the heyday of the the Camel Pro Series, man. What a tough era that was. I mean, they called you the human highlight reel because you could hang it out and get loose like nobody's business, man. You know, the way a lot of people looked at it, man, or at least the way I looked at it was you were just like a good old boy uh, mixing it up with the stars, man. And uh, some of those rides uh, have turned uh, into like almost legendary folklore. So it's a real honor to talk to you, man. Um, I'm excited for this. I know Corey's excited for it. You know, I don't I don't want to jump the start here, but I'm really hoping for some wild stories that happen both on and off the racetrack. Yeah, we I mean, you know, I mean, started out as a kid, a late starter. I probably didn't get into it till I was around nine, which is same as my son. You know, he skipped the 50 age and, the, you know, my 50 age was a was a clutch bike you know i didn't have to deal with all them or uh centrifugal clutches and all these things these dads go through today and it's pretty simple and uh I, I do remember i was probably my first year and i ended up with a one of them old redline yamaha 80s uh they built them um i think naguchi made something for yamaha that you could buy them right on the showroom floor back then and we had one and heard about this benefit ride for a guy named Randy Texture, and I, you know, I didn't didn't know nothing back then. I was just really young. And me and my dad had a old elk take in the back of the El Camino, and went up to PA to ride this benefit ride for this guy. And, and it's some indoor in Pennsylvania. You know, I I didn't really know what what happened to him at the time, but I, you know, I rode that and remember Randy from probably the first year that I uh, that I straddled a, a race bike and. Um, and uh, we left there and rode. Uh, it was cold, snowed outside. We're in this darn little El Camino back in the day, man. And Rodney Ferris was there. First time I'd ever seen and met him. He was a little kid. We left there and went to like Harrisonburg, Virginia or something, a little dog leg track. And I watched uh, Rodney uh, for the first time. You know, I was like, wow, you know, where something that long ago and to remember, you know, your dad, Randy and but it's a uh, it's it's faint for me right now to remember that far back. But I do do remember um, some stuff like that. But my amateur days were were pretty good to me. And you know when you say star, I remember the Star Racer chassis, and they were the chassis that I rode as a kid. And and those guys with the Suzuki engines. And I don't know something about that Star Racer frame. They said you couldn't ride that thing with the swing arm and the full upper pivot, and and that it would uh track different 
And I believe that's where I came up with the, that style. If I would keep that bike straight up and down, and I would somehow hang off the side, never knew how. It just happened on the track. It seemed to come natural. And I believe that's where the, all that stuff began. It started with the Star Racer frame. And I wish they kept making stuff when I, as I got older. But, you know, times move on and t- things change. And, you know, here we are today. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, for one, I I didn't I never knew that. I never knew like you came up for my dad's benefit. He had actually he had Hodgkin's cancer when he was I think he was 17 or 19 years old and um yeah, he beat it and lived a lived a good life and that's that's crazy that you mentioned that. And uh you also had an El Camino which I'm freaking jealous. I've been trying to find an El Camino for months now. That was going to be my race rig for this year. So <laughs> you a Rusty Rogers and an El Camino. I need to get a a picture of that painted hanging on my wall. That's badass. But um let's transition it back to when you were racing. You know, you know the Sammy mentioned, you know, the 80s and 90s was just so competitive. Um, was your full focus on racing at that time? Did you have a part-time job? How did you juggle that between the two? Yeah, well, coming out of the amateur days, I rode for a local shop. And mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it was a Suzuki dealership. And they helped me a lot. And we we went into probably our first year as, a, you know, obviously novice, ex, uh, junior, and expert was my day. And then that, that shop folded and kind of was the first time I was on my own. And my dad, my dad, he was, um, he was a contractor. So we definitely, um, you know, worked during the week and raced on the weekend. So yeah, it was a, a race to get to the track. It was a race at the track and it was a race to get home. So you could be at work on Monday. You know, I had obligations with a family business that I'm still in today. And, uh, you know, <laughs> here, here we are you know, as a kid, you know, as 13 amateur national championships, you know, as, you know, where did I miss the, the call? Where did I miss the, the factory ride? Where, you know, never, never heard of uh, anybody even contacting me about anything like that, you know, and it was great to have a good, good year help me out. And um, Bell Helmets, uh, Jack Jarbo was my rep back then, and they were they were about the only things I got, uh, you know, for free to race, and it worked for everything else. But you know, coming into I was um, you know novice of the year, we elected to stay behind on junior. I did not go up early. You could go up six months into the season, which would make you a half of a season as a rookie expert. I stayed on the junior the whole season. And then tried for rookie of the year on the expert ranks. And really, I mean, here we, you know, back to the drawing board, here was Honda, factory Honda with uh, Ricky Graham, Bubba Schobert, you know, uh, Super Trap with uh, Doug Chandler and Randy Goss. And it was a hell of a, you know, team there. And you still had the factory guys, Scotty Parker and Jay Springsteen and, and I bought these old 77 and 79 XR 750s aluminum motors thinking, man, we're going to go out and win, you know. <laughs> and uh, probably didn't have a chance, you know. We knew we didn't have a chance. But, you know, in, in your mind, coming out of the amateurs and you were so darn good. And, um, you know, we ran stock stuff to be very reliable. Had some tricks up our sleeves with that, but nothing illegal, but always by the book and uh you know thinking we were gonna set the world on fire with these old aluminum motor bikes and i rode i was i was tough man i was 
stripping shifters every week, breaking transmissions and blowing them up. And <laughs> sooner or later, we just, you know, I couldn't compete on a, on a privateer level with, with my money doing it that way and retired for a little bit. And Johnny Goad gave me a call and, and uh, rode um, uh, one of Clayton Oliver's bikes. He was tuning with Johnny as a team manager. And we was doing real good, such fast times, and got some camel challenge races with Louisville and, you know, just pecked my way through like that, just riding when I could or riding when I built up money. You know, I missed that, uh, I don't know, that option of a factory deal. Don't, you know, never knew how anybody got that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, what an incredible uh, story you have there and everything that you went through. I mean, you were, you know, definitely a a privateer during a time that, you know, that word really uh, meant something for sure. You know, you you talk about, you know, just between all of us sitting here talking, I know Corey's a huge fan, man. I got to say, you know, even as a as a young kid myself, uh, you know, I was about 14 years old and uh, I had a rusty rogers picture that i cut out of cycle news hanging on my wall so i was definitely a fan too man uh you know and and i'll I'll talk about this picture real quick man it it blew my mind i was like 13 14 years old i don't know you know flipping through cycle news and uh i saw this picture man i had to cut it out and you know if you flip through the pages real quick or i just showed you the picture or showed anybody the picture you wouldn't think much about it you know you just think man that's a typical Rusty Rogers let it hang out picture. And, and that it was. But the thing that to me that really made it amazing was that, uh, you know, like it was from, uh, I think, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, man. And you were on the asphalt and you were way up by the bales, man, in a full on Rusty Rogers feet on the peg, head leaning way over to the side. You know, smoke pouring off of the tires. And, like, at 14 years old, man, I looked at that picture, right, in, in Cycle News. And uh, at 14 years old, I said to myself, holy shit, this is a bad dude. You know what I mean? Like, you could just, from that picture right there, I'm like, this is a bad dude. And then, I don't know what, like, next thing I know, I was from California originally. So, I'm at the San Jose Mile, right? And uh, I'm sitting inside turn three watching, I don't know, practice or whatever. And everybody's kind of coming through. It's real, like, like almost poetic. You know, guys are like, you know, taking their hand off the handlebar and throwing it in the corner and just like real smooth and sliding in. And all of a sudden, man, here comes this dude. And, you know, at this time, I really was, you weren't on my radar, but I had your picture hanging up in my bedroom. And here comes this dude. I'm talking right arm like dude you were breaking throttle cables you know what i mean and you were riding this thing you were beating this xr you were riding it like Corey would ride an xr 100 you know what i mean you came in the turn three man you kicked out your leg and we're just like hammered down and i was like holy crap who's that guy? that's the guy on my bedroom wall you know i was like it, it was like oh man it was insane and then i heard you talk about the el camino and like i was I remember you showing up to races in El Camino with an XR750 in the back. I mean, like, that's just mind-boggling. Like, if that were to happen today, I mean, if, I don't – people's heads would explode. So, you know, to hear all that stuff yeah. is really cool, man. And and to hear, like, you know, your old days, I mean, and just, like, what was it like going to the races in an El Camino? 
<laughs> Cold. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick story about the asphalt. We, um, you know, we started that series. It was a uh, the hot shoes that were we had already we had already done that locally in Richmond at a local little three eighth mile NASCAR track. We had done it exhibition race um, a couple years prior to that Mars series motorcycle asphalt racing series. Yeah. And, um, and so when the riders that had ridden a lot of the asphalt before, Oh, Will Davis and uh, myself, Moorhead. And we all had a meeting in Daytona one year about it. And we started that date. Well, they started it as upon our knowledge of input of what we were going to do, you know, keep it simple, keep it the same bikes, the same tires, because if we had to put a road race tire on there, it would have, the speeds would have just doubled and, and it would have been twice as dangerous. So we left it the way it was. I still wore my skid shoe and everything. And, and uh, a couple of years had uh, went by on this, on that series. And it was kind of, kind of dwindling a little bit to where, and you know, we weren't the, the 750 class was the premier class, obviously, but uh, the, the numbers were falling off with riders of, entries and um so they started allowing the 600 road tax in and or the single in that class as a as a as a class filler and i remember um that day uh will davis that we could we could keep going out they give us a time clock of um we go out and run two laps and if you didn't like your time you could get back in line and you know it was a shut off time Last two in line was Will and me, and they cut cut off the guys behind me. So uh, my my mechanic Ken Wickersham and uh, my owner Phil, his father Phil Wickersham, they were owners of my team that year. And uh, Ken was standing on the wall, and Will was out there doing his two hot laps, and he, you know, oh broke a track record, a new track record. He's on a 600, and I'm like, and he's running the bottom, and, and I know what you're talking about. So I'm on the 750, and I could ride the 750 better. And didn't wasn't really a single cylinder guy and the Myrtle beach had this where the track where the asphalt was put together. The, the, it was like a groove uh, or a, or a berm in inside the track the, uh, built in the track where it stepped up its different banking levels. And so Will pulled off the back stretch and Ken come down and said, he broke a track record. What do you got to do? I said, well, I can't shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me real funny, you know. He was like, what do you mean you can't shut it off? And it's a D-shaped track, so the front stretch was really long and the back stretch was really short. So when I got out there for my two hot laps, I uh, I went straight to the top, so I didn't cross those, you know, that where the asphalt's put together. It, I didn't want to cross any of them. It, it upset the bike a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went down the front stretch to take the green flag and, and uh, I went in the corner and I blipped it one time. I just I breathed that 750 one time, just to set up for the corner. And when I got back on it, I didn't shut her off again till the third turn. Same thing up by the bales, about five feet off the bales on that top level of asphalt, the highest banking, the steepest banking. And when I came uh, when I came across the the checker, it was uh, I kind of knew I I had set fast time and and hot lapped it and. And uh, because the fans were going absolutely, you know, in the Myrtle Beach Bike Week, it was the the Harley crowd, and they was all going crazy. 
So, yeah, we put on the show a couple times in the day, smoking the tire and burning the tire off in six, seven, eight laps. But it was all fun. It was, um, believe it or not, uh, the asphalt seemed to me more more consistent than the dirt. That You know, the dirt would, you, you know, as well as I do, it breaks up. It gets dry. It gets wet. It, uh, moisture makes a difference, and the night air makes a difference. So the, the asphalt was definitely more consistent than the, the dirt days, you know. Woo, man, I tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, for a guy that grew up with a picture of what you're talking about hanging above my bed, uh, that gave me goosebumps, man. That was really cool to hear, man. That was that was amazing. Uh, you know, I you know, that was before Internet and all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of time to sit in my bedroom and, and look at pictures and daydream about stuff. And uh, that's a picture that I uh, definitely spent countless hours daydreaming and thinking about and trying to reimagine in my mind. And uh, everything that you just described, man, I mean, really uh, hit home. So that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that, man. And that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. And I, I'm sure our listeners love that story, too. Yeah, the asphalt days are, are sorely missed for me. And it was a it was a fun era, and um and they you know again uh, that was another way of us privateer guys to uh, go out and and make make some money to race the dirt. You know, there's probably never a, a historical venue ever about the asphalt stuff today. It's you know probably wasn't documented and all that, but the the dirt the dirt is in the Camel Pro Series and the. Shoot! Before that, I, I think I remember riding the Stroh's Light Series. It was that's when I was a, probably a rookie, but then it went camel. Then uh, you know, obviously I changed to Progressive and and up through you know whatever they needed to uh, give us sponsorship money to to make this thing. Uh, you know, you putting your name in the record books. You were an aggressive rider, and that's kind of well known. And from the pictures and everything else, I've never really heard any crazy stories of any riders really getting irritated with you because of this? Did you have any rivals? Any Anyone try to brawl, brawl with you back in the pits? You know, who was your biggest rival, I guess, coming up through the ranks and once you hit the pro stuff? Um, Everybody and the AMA and the, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I never, I never really, um, you, you mentioned San Jose. Um, I remember a couple of San Jose's when you said you saw me in the corner at San Jose and then, you know, I raced a mile like I raced a half mile. It was no different to me. It was another race. You know, you passed me on a straightaway because you drafted by me and, and then you want to, you want to run down in there and hit the brakes and think I'm going to follow you through the corner. Well, you're wrong. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go on it. If, if I got a chance of taking the position back and it's in the corner, you know, that's a part of the racetrack too. And I would do things like that. And, and, some of the elder statesmen of the sport or, you know, even, even, you know, the tight competition, they were kind of afraid of that. You know, why would you race in the corners? Well, it ain't just straightaway racing. We're not drag racing here. You know, I, I passed somebody at, at uh, San Jose uh, coming out of the corner and, and we clipped a little bit and they went down and they, you know, come over to me and got in my face about you ain't supposed to pass there. Well, where, where are you supposed to pass? So to me, to me, it was anywhere on the track. You give me an opening or a position and I will, uh, I will take that spot if I'm capable. And I, I just, I love the race. And I, yes, I had a, a lot of energy and I think the um, AMA 
thought it was more than I needed sometimes, and they would uh, pull my card and, and uh, you know, put me on the sideline for a week or two and make me think about it. But, but I, you know, like I said, when you know, my writing style started, you know, when I was an amateur. How do you change? You, it's hard to change somebody's style. That's just the way I rode. And if, if I tried to sit in a chair to duplicate the way I rode, I, there was no way of I couldn't do it. It was a part of, of me and, and, you know, I, I want, can I say natural ability, um, you know, racing dirt, dirt bikes came easy for me. And, you know, I wish it was, uh, you know, more that I had the money to, to ride more events. I, I don't think I ever rode a full season. Um, we had the two California swings back in the day and, and I would always seem to make one and, Miss Four or Miss Peoria, and oh, there's another. There's another example. Um, <laughs> I can motocross, I can hair scrambles, and I could race flat track. But you know, when those same guys would tell me that that uh, you couldn't pass in the corner, well, how the hell can you jump a damn flat track bike 85 feet in four inches of travel at Peoria? Because I couldn't do it. I don't. I just <laughs> never. I never got that aspect. And and but they would have. You know, some of them were the same guys that were hounding me about passing in a corner on a mile it's, but it it was still racing it was still a part of our sport so i just made the best of what i had and what i could do with and at the time to say lima and indy ring a bell also um i never i could never get a good start but i got a indy mile one one year 91 maybe so i was behind i was dead last and so I got in the back stretch i passed a couple and went in the three and then the front stretch man i'm not sitting here trying to draft this my way through a heat race. So I come out of two on the groove dead last. I said, well, I can make something happen now. Or that's when I went to the cushion on the mile and passed a bunch of them, come down the front stretch. I passed about half of them in three and four. And, you know, that was a night race. So the that nice red thick cushion was wet enough to, to handle traction. So I stayed up there and went on down in the one again and, Passed a whole pack and and um, one little section there was uh, like a I don't know the darn lights or the you know there's a state fair going on all the time there and the, the lights had dried out one big section of the track and when I blew in there it, it didn't hold and and I fell and and uh, they were you know obviously the the headman in charge said uh, well you can't endanger other riders so they you know took my license again and made me sit and watch for a week. So it was all in fun. And I mean, you know, I don't feel, I felt I never endangered anybody's life. You know, that they were there for the same reason I was to, you know, it was about getting, making enough money to get to the next race. And, and, um, and, you know, if you were good enough to get on the podium or even, you know, sprinkle the champagne bottle that puts your name in history, you know, so yeah well i follow people right i love that you said i love how you described it as uh, we're not drag racing why should i wait why should i wait for the straightaway <laughs> that was uh, awesome yeah that was awesome. That, <laughs> that's awesome when you were coming up through the ranks you're from virginia east coast guy did you have a favorite rider pro rider growing up is there anybody that kind of took you under their wing mentored you a little bit um i don't even know virginia riders that well besides obviously mike hacker and uh like John Nickens, some guys that I know, the Averys. I don't know many Virginia guys from that era. Um, did you have anybody you kind of yeah. grew up watching that was your favorite rider? Yeah, there was. 
Yeah, there was a couple ahead of me, and um, more partly he was a national number 45. Uh, probably two, he was two years ahead of me. I, I, you know, sat on the wall when I was a kid, and uh, you know, at the fairgrounds on Wednesday nights was a big event around here. People like uh, Georgie Price and and um, you know Will Davis and those guys would come to to his outlaw uh, Wednesday night event and local and and uh, paid good money, and those those guys would come to, uh, you know, better their skills and put some money in their pocket. But Mark was my uh, – Mark Hartley was my uh, my guy to kind of watch and follow. He, I don't know if you remember the name Bobby Yarborough. And Bobby Absolutely. had um, mentored Mark. But I, I never really um, worked with anybody on my skill or nothing. I just watched and learned from, from watching and – and like I said, we had our local cycle shop that was fully dedicated to our uh, program, Dinos. And, uh, I mean, I, re- I can remember on them Wednesday nights I, I, that I ran an 80, a 100, a 125, a 200, a 250, and a 500 on a Wednesday night. Wow. And, you know, walk, walk out of there with three, four, five hundred $500, and that was the middle 80s, early 80s. And uh, that, I mean, in the, in the day, back in the day, that was that was um, uh, good good money. But as I turned turned pro, uh, I liked uh, I liked Ricky Graham. He was uh, as a as a pro level, and me as a rookie or something. I I, I liked kind of his style. Watching him was uh, I could probably tweak my uh, my style to, more towards his style. He was uh, he was my hero as a as a professional level. Yeah, you know, Rusty, I got to say, man, it's really cool to hear you talk about some of the things that you just mentioned and some of the names, you know, because I'm a little bit of a I'm not like a textbook historian, you know, I'm just one of those guys that always grew up (laughs) around like guys and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, like, let me hear what you got to say. You know what I mean? I always like want to hear shop talk. So, you know, I definitely heard about those days of, um, you know, the Richmond Fairgrounds Wednesday night short track races, man. And, uh, you know, guys like Mark Hartley, man, that's that's a name a lot of people, uh, average people may not know outside the mid-Atlantic region. But, you know, um, 42S, and I, like you said, I believe national number 45. And guys like, uh, you know, you had him. I don't know what he rode. Uh, I know you guys had, um, you were on a Suzuki, like in the 250 days. And you had guys like, uh, I, I believe yep. his name was Ray West on a Cowie. And, uh, yep. you know, I, I just hear some crazy legendary stories about Wednesday nights in Richmond, Virginia, man. And that, and then, you know, you mentioned yep. guys like, uh, you know, another guy that I, I grew up hearing, uh, was, uh, Barb, Bobby Yarbrough. And, uh, man, I mean, there's nobody that talks about that guy without, like the highest degree yeah. of respect and to hear you mention that, that name yeah. is really 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 cool man and you know and for those listeners that don't yeah. know bobby yarbrough was a really young talented racer that was uh i mean i mean god's gift to flat track racing and uh the guy was something yeah. special on two wheels and unfortunately he, he uh, passed away uh at uh, i believe he was like 15 or 16 years old he died in a car crash coming home from school with some friends yep uh yeah he was from a uh, newport yep. news he, virginia he he died the year like i started that june of um 79 and i would have to say that in the fall of uh 
79 or early 80 at this when uh when when that that accident happened so i remember I, I vaguely remember him i probably remember two um two or three times at green's raceway i do not remember him at the fairgrounds um and um and on top of that mr green uh passed away last year and i'd like to throw that out there and i'm I uh, attended this little memorial and to say that uh, my condolences go to the Green family and and uh, that he was a great guy and he traveled with me when I was a kid and when my mom and dad couldn't go and he was actually a District 13 congressman and um, you know all the all that seems to come back around that, that uh, you know where I'm sitting today and and uh, back to Mark Hartley uh, his son Matt. Uh, race raced when we got started. Um, he was a little older than my son Corey, and uh, Matt raced when uh, we got started, and and um, n- now he's um, working and has a kid and a family. And and um, but I I do keep touch in touch with Mark because of uh, that. You know that got us back together the motocross days and the last couple of years. So. With all that said, you know, this is still a, it, it stuff just comes back around. It's, it's crazy how it works. That's that's really cool, you know, uh, especially, to, you know, uh, our condolences and Godspeed to, uh, you know, Greens and uh, the people behind that. That's a, a track that. You know, uh, has a lot of legendary folklore, man. I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up and ask yeah. if you, if you raced at Greens, because I know there's some pretty wild stories uh, from back in the day that happened. You rode the, I know you had a, like a successful amateur career, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you rode the yeah. amateur nationals at Greens. Is that right? Yeah, it wasn't so successful in my home state, but I def- definitely um. I think I got one national championship under my belt. I crashed on the 500 and uh, broke my uh, scapula, and and I was out for the for the rest of that event. But Mr. Green, uh, Bruce Green, he worked hard for years to get that uh, to get that national, and it was it was my last amateur national. And I wish you know I wish that I could have kept it on two wheels, and and um, obviously uh, you know give our state and track man uh, some more number ones but uh it, you know what happened happened so i think things well in the past you know you talk a lot about your young days and you know there's i mean just like a lot of our you know our listeners young racers you know you kind of watch guys growing up and you're like oh man you try to emulate or be like yeah that's who i want to be like or that's the guy i like or this is what i like about that guy you know who was uh, you, you? You know, you talked about Mark Hartley a little bit, um, but like back in those days, man, in those early days, uh, who was the guy for you? Uh, or even later on, man, who was the guy that was on your radar? Yeah, I like I like Ricky Graham as a rider, and uh, and probably the biggest guy that I hung out with off the track was. And that's in the pits. I didn't. We, I mean, we didn't go to state to state to to hang out. But Will Davis was uh, was um, I don't know, man. He was smooth and collective and and uh, precise about his you know his team and colors and and uh, that always that always struck me to um, uh, how, how he handled himself and and uh, you know I was just like this wild child that didn't care and. You know, he would always, you know, Rusty, come on, man, calm down. You, you know, that 
you know, whatever they do to you, they, you know, it'll be, it'll be all right. So me, you know, me and Will hung out a lot and he had this van, man, that with the, the sound system from, I don't know. It was the, the boom box from, from Carolina. Let's put it that way. I don't know. He'd get his mindset. He'd have to, he turned that music up. I seen him in there one time and, I opened the passenger door. I was like, Will, what are you doing, man? I'm getting set up to go race, you know. I was like, okay, I'll sit here with you. I'm, I'm going to get set up too, you know. And that stuff's booming and boom, boom, and he's got it all cranked up. And I was like, well, I hope you're good because I'm not. I'm, I'm going to have to get out of here. <laughs> that, uh, that, he didn't give me nothing but a headache. I had to uh, I had to go, get, go find some other uh, closure to – to get ready for my event, but uh, just uh, certain stuff we hung out at and um, different tracks like that. And you know, he knew he knew my deal, you know. And we we raced them old Carolina tracks, B and B Speedway, Triple C Speedway down there in Carolina, and the, them uh, backyard tobacco barn races. And and you know, again trying to make a little money to go somewhere bigger and better. And and um, so we knew each other for a while. But uh, Will was a good guy, and um, like I said, I, to emulate somebody on the track, it would have been uh, Ricky Graham, but to, to somebody off the track, Will Davis was the man. Do you still follow the sport today? I haven't seen you at the track in a while, but you know, now we're on NBC Sports and the Fans' Choice coverage from last year. Do you, do you watch the sport still? Um, and any of, the, any of the riders out there, do they remind you of yourself? Anyone you see out there today? I'll I'll glance at it. It's uh it's really hard for me to watch it. Uh I try to keep up when I can. You know, we're probably thirty two, forty two weekends a year ourselves, um, with the, the motocross thing and you know, our amateur national stuff, Loretta Lens and qualifiers and regionals and, and then you know, in the fall we're getting ready for the banquet and it's tough to keep up with uh with everything I've got going on and as our program, but uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to watch it uh, personally. Oh, I was fair enough. To that um, that mega mile out at um, Colonial Downs, Virginia, as a um, grand marshal, and and I went out there a couple of years ago, and we we did have a race that weekend too. And and my my wife Kelly and Corey and myself went out for that, and and then we left a little early. We didn't even watch the main events and. And uh, we had to go to Danville, Virginia, and race. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's in my heart, man, and it's really tough for me to to try to watch it. And you know, to reminisce, I'm I'm good at that. I like I like reminiscing about it, talking like we're doing now. And and I've you know, last year I saw Roy Jansen at Loretta Lens. He was one of the the um, you know higher officials when in my day, and and I went back and introduced myself to Roy and. And uh, we, you know, we we kicked the kicked the bucket a little bit and talked about the old days and him and myself and and I uh, told him my boy was into the motocross now and and uh, you know it's all good you know it's it's um I'm 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 even a a, a race official I you know I hold I hold my um my license for a referee a class B referee license so. I've, this past weekend at Lake Sugar Tree, we did have an event, and I was referee for that. And this this coming weekend, we'll have one in uh, West Craven, North Carolina. And, 
and I'll ref that one also. So uh, I'm fully involved just in a different aspect. So you're a referee, Rusty. Are, is, are bump passes allowed? Can I go in Can I go in and bump somebody without without getting in trouble? Or like, are, are you a strict referee? Or are you oh, kind yeah. of it's, a, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty good with everything but the red cross flag. If you, if you jump on that red cross flag, I'm uh, – I'm pretty content because by then we have, you know, we have medics on the track and, uh, and if you can't respect uh, the rider down and you can't respect the, uh, the medics on there with no helmets and no gear on and, and, and you go do something stupid like that, then, then that, that's when, uh, that's when you see the old Rusty Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you're, um, is that kind of why your son races motocross? Because I was going to ask you, you know, you know, you're an accomplished flat track racer, and your son's a really, from what I've, from what I know, he's he's a really fast motocross racer. What what got him into that instead of flat track? I mean, was that something he just has he ever rode flat track? You know, how how did that all play out with him kind of getting into the motor world instead of the flat track world? Well, you know that. Uh... I guess by the time we had him, I was on the tail end of my career was um, um, with uh, Daf- Dan Daphner, and, and um, I was doing some Supermoto stuff, that Red Bull Supermoto series that came into play there for a while, and and um, and I broke my shoulder, and you know, and I needed to needed that to go to work. And uh, so we, I kind of bled away from the sport again at, in the the early 2000s, uh, maybe 03, 04, maybe. And um, we kind of, all my buddies kind of got into four-wheeler thing, and um, some four-wheeler events were around in a full, uh, big um park down in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and then my son, I got him on a four-wheeler, and then we would go camp, and um, we would ride the four-wheeler stuff for a couple years, and I bought him a couple pit bikes, and we rode them, and then I, um, Tony Pickcock uh, was a flat tracker back in the day at National Number 79, and he was motocrossing, and he 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 owned a little motorcycle shop and we were hanging out with that stuff and he got hurt and they did a benefit ride at a motocross track and you know you know the, the flat track scene around here was really gone during that that era and um we uh we rode the benefit ride for Tony to you know gain money for his injuries and I bought me a little Pitster Pro thing, and Corey had a little uh, KLX 110 or something like that, uh, slapstick automatic. And we rode that in, like, uh, January of, of um, oh, man, I don't even know the year. He was he was nine at the time. And he's like, Dad, I think I want to do this. And, uh, you know, right then, you know, the next day, his birthday was in February. I was like, oh, I got to go buy him a bike, you know. So... I went and got him a motocross bike because that was the easiest and most convenient type of racing around here for us to get in two wheel wise. We started late. He, like I said, he started on the 65 and instead of that 58. So 
we had some bumps to get through with the clutch and uh, shifting and all that. So everything he had had before was centrifugal. I actually bought him a four-wheeler that had a clutch so he could learn to shift it for the race bike. And um, he started on the quad racing and he got a second and a first. And he said, Dad, I don't want to do the quad no more. I want I want to race two wheels. So we're when he said he wanted to do it, that's when I said I want to be a part of the politics that goes along with it. <laughs> and that's when I started going to the D13 meetings and, and became a, a chairman by two years of that. That's, that's really cool to hear about Rusty. You know, um, you know, I, you know, part of me wonders, uh, what your son thinks of, uh, Rusty Rogers, you know, like, does he really know who his dad is? Uh, but that's, like I said, that's really cool to see you be a part of, um, you know, um, racing, in, in a different aspect and continue on under the umbrella of racing, uh, you know, and, and not to totally jump shit, man, but something I have to bring up and I have to mention, cause it's so popular among, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have a lot of fans out there that talk and know about rusty Rogers because of one race. And you would think it would be the race that you won or like Hagerstown or something like that. But it's not Hagerstown. It's uh, it's about the race you didn't win. And as a matter of fact, I think you got probably dead last in this race. It's the 1992 Mineral Wells, West Virginia, half mile. I know you know what I'm talking about, man. Um, you know, where Will Davis yep. won it. And you got, I mean, first of all, like you had a hellacious crash that would put anybody on the sidelines for the night, you know, in the heat race. And uh, to like just the simple fact that you got up from that and, and buckled your helmet again was amazing to say the least. But not only did you come back from that, you came back to battle your way and to make it one of the most epic talked about like just fist fight of a race brawls with uh you know will davis and and you mentioned will a lot and uh you know uh you know i know you uh it's somebody you respect as a racer and a person so to race with will davis on that kind of level in that in that aspect and then uh go through everything you went through and and for those of you tuning in just youtube 1992 mineral wells west virginia this race was like, man, that, that just put you among the gods of uh, dirt track racing. What can you tell us about that race, man? And, uh, you know, it's a race we all know, man, but it, it nothing better to hear from the man himself that went through it. What was that like? All right. Do you want to hear the whole story? The whole story would be included. Yep. Yep. The Hagerstown <laughs> win the week before. So, so I can start there. It Perfect. Through a two-week epic. All right. All yeah. Right, here we go. I'm pumped. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> All right. Back in my day, there used to be upon national events. They used to run regionals. Well, when I didn't have no money to ride a national, I would go ride regionals to pick up a little bit of pocket change. Well, they had a crap load of them, always at Hagerstown and up through Pennsylvania and Ohio, which were close. Some of them were even on weekends at a national would be in California or something. So, so I had a lot of time, a lot of laps at Hagerstown. If I would have to say my home track, um, being from Richmond, Virginia, my home track would have been Hagerstown. 
So we were at Hagerstown the weekend before the Mineral Wells or Parkersburg, whatever people know it as. Mineral Wells is on the the YouTube channel. But Hagerstown, I think I fast-timed it that day, and again, it was during the day. And got you know, knowing it's going to be a little notchy groove. I had seen a couple years before that event that uh, Moorhead and Ferris, uh, Steve Moorhead and Rodney Ferris, put on one of the best shows I'd ever seen from the sideline. I was on the sideline watching that, and they were by the they were clipping hay bale strings, man. They were getting it on, and it was a night event, and the traction was there. So we made the main event. Again, I can't start nothing. I couldn't. I might as well have started backwards. I probably got a better start. So I'm fifth in the turn one, probably the best one, best starts I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> so I'm running fifth behind Parker, and I'm like, oh, man, we're right here. Yeah, we're everybody's running the bottom. Well, lap three, um, um, Fletcher falls, number, national number 65. He falls over. They red flag it, and they put us Indian file. They put us in a, you know, Indian file start. Well, I'm sitting fifth, and I'm and Ken Wickersham and Phil Wickersham. They're my, they're my team. Ken's on the track with me, and I'm like, Ken, you know, huh, I'm gonna be dead last to turn one, dude. He's like, No, you got it, you got it, man. Which, like Ken, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, just I'm gonna be dead last. There's no way I'm getting in that corner. And uh, when Fletcher had fell, when the red flag came out, I drifted all the way up to the top <laughs> like I was getting out of the way. <clears throat> well, I grabbed a big handful to see what was there. Well, it, it was there. It was there. <laughs> it was all you had to do was get to it. <laughs> and I, I told him, I said, well, if I'm dead last, you're going to see something spectacular. If I get a whole shot and I stay behind Parker, I'm going to finish fifth tonight. He's like, you do what you got to do. So he run, they run off a track, and the light turns green, and I'm dead last. So dead last. <laughs> I Sorry to laugh. A five foot of fluff about, you know, five foot off the groove. Groove's five foot wide. The fluff's five foot wide, and there's about 20, 10, 15, 20 feet of untouched tacky rig clay at the top. And I've done run red clay my whole life. So all I had to do was get through this fluff. And when I go down in the, and, oh, back, you know, back to that, you know, you see me go in the corner and, and um, you know, I'm that type of guy, if I see a guy's arm in front of me go up and he's off the throttle, you know, I count to two and before I let off of mine. I, so I give myself two extra seconds to try to get in the corner harder. So I would fly through that fluff. I would two wheel it through that stuff so I wouldn't be sideways when I hit the the tacky and when I I'd go in I'd pass three and two would get back by me coming out. Then I'd go into three and four, I'd pass three, two would get back by me. So I'm passing one or two a lap or a corner. And on lap eleven, I took the lead. And when I came off a of four, I thought the front the front fence at Hagerstown was going to fall on the racetrack. It was people three deep climbing the fence, shaking the fence. It was unbelievable. And it was the most spectacular thing that I probably had ever done in my life. 
is something you wanted your whole life. And if you've ever wanted something that bad, a national win was, you know, obviously I wanted a, you know, a, a national number one title. But at that point in my life, I, uh, I was just hoping for the national win. And I got mine that night, and um, it was, uh, you know, my I had uncles, three or four uncles there that were, had never even seen me race nationally or nothing. I had cousins and and my wife and my mom and dad, and it was uh, it was spectacular to me to 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 do that. Well, you know, I'm you know you're only as good as your last race, you know, and so I'm. I'm hyped all week in, in Parkersburg. If there's a second race I could have won, here's this high bank, red clay, mineral wells, Parkersburg, West Virginia event waiting on me to, you know, just tame it. But we go out in hot lap again. I think I fast timed that night also. And um, the heat race. Well, I'm, we're in the pits right before the heat race, and Phil is down on his knees and, got his little flashlight out and he's got a, always had a little six foot tape measure. Matter of fact, I think I, I still have that tape measure. And, um, I'm like, Phil, what are you doing? He said, I'm just in the chain. And I'm like, okay. So I said, make sure you get it right now. Well, third or fourth lap of the heat race, nobody knew it, but my chain come off. <laughs> and when the chain come off, it locked the rear wheel up. And that was the first spectacular crash of the of the evening and it broke off my right foot peg and we got the chain back on and they're trying to tell me I can't ride the heat race. I'm like, bullshit, ain't nothing wrong with my bike. Your foot peg ain't on us. Okay. So we barely uh screw it on or something and I um before the green before the green light come on, I reach down and grab the foot peg and throw it to feel and I rode that heat race the remainder of that heat race that's why it looked like my braking was in a different part of the corner because I didn't have none I rode with my foot on top of the the magneto cover on the XR750 so I went from dead last to fourth and I I'd have, I'd have won that if I'd have had a foot peg so we got her all buttoned up after the so we made I think we made the no I third would have put me in the main so we had to run this semi <laughs> and uh obviously i'm so mad now i'm i might as well you know put a bullet in in my mouth and bite that while i was uh had to run this darn semi and had to darn heat race one so we you know we lap ahead on the on the darn um the semi so we're geared up for the main event well, it rained and it rained and it rained and it rained again. And it was like, that was probably two thirty in the morning. And I mean, not a single fan left this place. And they finally beat that track in with those wide tire sprint cars or whatever wheel packer things they use at them clay tracks. So we finally get a main event lined up. And, uh, when the green light went, it was me and wheel. I took a lead for a couple laps and wheel got by me and, I'm trying to play strategy, you know. I, I'm gonna breathe for about ten laps, and when the when the flagman holds up his five fingers, which now I believe y'all got a five lap card, 
back then I missed the little five finger. Uh, so I'm, you know, just running along about five bike lengths, 10 bike lengths behind a wheel thinking when five to go, I've got him. Well, I come out of four and here's the darn white flag. Oh my gosh, I missed the five to go. So I barrel off down in one and two uh, on the rail and, you know, wheel still running the, the top and, and I took, uh, what, 100, 150 yards of a track away from him. About beat him off a of two. We were we were handlebar to handlebar off a of two. And then he got, you know, he had to drive. He got me by two or three bike lengths. I said, well, I'm going to dive by him one more time for last chance, last hope of beating him to the checker flag. I'll chop, I'll chop block him when we, you know, after the dive bomber, he won't grip by me. <laughs> Well, I guess that was a part of that little track down there. They didn't beat in too good with them little sprint car tires or whatever, and it was still a little slimy. And um, she just, as Will said, threw it away. (laughs) I, Corey, I know you were cracking up, man. Uh, I was cracking uh, i was literally biting my fingers so i went and interrupt your broadcast on that because i was dying <laughs> on that story and that's I'm the best segment to... i've ever heard on here like that, that is, is man. that's incredible well dude I've... hey if you if you really watch the whole film i got to carry a checker flag because we'll give me the ride around the track <laughs> that is you, great. <laughs> I mean, your uh, your Hagerstown your Hagerstown win. They show highlights of that online. I can't find the full uh, footage of that race, but um, they show highlights and like the two lap highlight they yeah. show of you at Hagerstown. It's like when you take the lead, and it's like the next lap afterward. I, I I'm like, holy shit! Like, like. Any second, it looks like it's gonna just, just bite you and send you into the wall, and there's no give. Like you were just, you were so committed yeah. to where that line was. Yeah. There ain't no way in hell that you were moving off that line. Um, it's incredible. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, not not to totally yeah, it interrupt. Yeah, it was getting to it. Yeah, I hear. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I've had to skate up a little bit on some racetracks, but. Never anything quite like that where um I'm um, um, my head's you know completely almost on the ground on the left side of the bike you know it, it without that body English your riding style that you said you you got riding that star frame <laughs> um you the body yeah. without the body English it wouldn't have worked I mean you had to be off the side of the bike so that's kind of you're just doing what yeah. had to be done <laughs> yeah man I, I not to totally interrupt. I know I kind of blurped in on that, so I apologize for that. But I got to say, man, you know, like, you know, for those of you, Hagerstown is off the schedule right now. So a lot of the younger guys that are listening to the show that ride 450s and whatnot, you know, don't have any kind of uh, recollection of what Hagerstown may have been like. And it was one of those racetracks where it's like you almost had to go slow to go fast like in a lot of ways it was one of those racetracks that can bite you in the ass if you try to override it and you know man of course if there's anybody in the history of racing to override a racetrack that was like that you didn't override and actually beat everybody it would have to be you man so like that's just like in it it's mind boggling if you really think about it in that kind of like 
mindset, you know. So that that's really cool, man. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that story, and I know uh, I mean, Corey. I know we all enjoyed it. Yeah. And with that said, you know Phil and Ken Wickersham, they were from um, Westminster, Maryland, and uh, you know they, um, um, you know I, I am heckling names, but J and M Racing was our one of our sponsors. And he was from up that area. Uh, um, you know, all of those guys that, you know, and when I said I rode asphalt good, well, I rode concrete like crap. And they were, you know, so they'd laugh at me when I'd go to Timonium and, and try to ride that stupid concrete stuff because I don't know how the hell y'all do that. But, <laughs> That's um, my favorite. All of those guys that were, you know, Scott Saunders, all those boys were, all of them were down in one and two. When, when, when I told Ken, you go, if I'm dead last, you go see something exciting. Well, that's the first thing he did. He ran down there and turned one and two to all his, uh, you know, Maryland, PA, New Jersey, all them, all them buddies, and and said, "Watch this." And um, you know, it's, it's it's like and like Corey said that the not know Hagerstown that when that powder, and it's, I can I'm sitting here in a chair outside getting the best signal I can to talk to y'all, and that. And it's almost like I can I can hear those when you go through that fluff or that that little bit of powder that built up outside the groove. It had rocks and and stuff like that in it. And when you go busting through there, that shit's pinging all off the exhaust pipes, and it sounds like the motor's blowing up. And you know you're out front thinking, oh my god, is this bike gonna last? What is that noise? And what is that noise? And what is that noise? And and you know might be a sprint car part bouncing off the bottom of your bike or something, but but uh, you had to get through that powder. And if you went through it too far sideways or or stem locked or something, when you hit that tacky red clay, it would have pitched pitched me over the over the guardrail on the outside. To, but uh, you had to get through that powder two wheeling to get to that groove to get to that uh, that tacky clay to grab a handful to get off the corner. So. That that was the trickiest part, and that was the the noises that I hear. I can remember hearing is is all that stuff pinging off the bike and hoping that that it's not the bike or the motor making those noises. But that again, I I just said it a few minutes ago talking about it that that was the pinnacle, and and that was that was my pinnacle, and and to put the two together, you know, the hero to zero is it is. It, it it is what it is, but you know what? And when I said that them fans never left that night, and I believe it was for one reason, and uh, they had saw me crash and come back in that heat race at Mineral Wells, and um, you know Will Davis won that event, and I'm finished last. But when I'm signing that autograph, and Wink and Will winked over here at me, and he had three little kids over there getting an autograph, and I had about three hundred over here getting mine. That was a uh, that was a uh, that was the the dream of, of uh, you know the, the the zero guy. It wasn't about the money at that time. It was about I wanted another win, and I wanted another national victory, and and um and I was about three hundred feet short. <laughs> well, like Sammy said, a lot of people, more people seem to remember you from that race than the than the win the weekend before, but. No, nah, that was that was awesome, dude. We we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. We got one more quick segment we do. It's called the higher low line, and we know you're a high line guy. Like our last week, we had George Roder on the show, and he's a high line guy too. So um, we'll give you two uh, two possible answers, 
and you pick one and give us a brief explanation on why. You got to pick one series to go racing in. Are you picking the AMA Pro Flat Track Series, or are you picking the Mars Asphalt Series? Oh, man. I would say the the AMA Pro Series. That, 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 is, that is where we're known from. That is where you're remembered, and that's where your name's in the record book. And and um, I would I would have to go with the AMA. I think it took a little more skill, but it took a whole lot more, you know what, to get around the, the asphalt. But <laughs> but it took a whole lot more skill to get around the dirt. Yeah, you know, uh, Rusty. Just so you know, this uh, this show is called Tank Slapping, so you can go ahead and say what you want. You know, we know it took a little more balls, or <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's right. Cool, Testies. Man. Yeah, this is this, this is not the most politically you know, correct show. <laughs> so, and with all with all that said, no matter how many crashes and breaking bones and bouncing off of walls of Syracuse, New York, or whatever it was, all it was, when I got back on, I might have said I was hurting then, but never did I ride in fear or scared of of what it took to win. You you know you you got to put that behind you when. You said earlier when you put the helmet on and you put the strap on, you, it's a, it's a, it's a different, you're a different guy. But it was, it was about the dirt, the dirt track series, and and um, again, I, you know, I wish I had a little more door openings when I was a, uh, younger, and and um, might have went farther, and I had obligations with you know family business and stuff. So, so I think I, um, you know, weighed each one where and where I needed to be and you know i'm 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 glad that that i'm here today and and um i feel that i'm a suspension specialist for what we do and i help a lot of kids out and my son you know loves how i tune a bike and set up a bike and again they're all stock we go for reliability but um but i believe he he has the best mechanic in what we do so yeah everything happens for a reason man uh we got a few more we want to ask you before we let you go um, you gotta right. pick. You gotta pick one. Chris Carr or Scott Parker? Scott Parker. You know, it, uh, you know, in, in back in my day, the, you know, I missed the California Amateur Swing, and Chris Carr was the big name, and we go to Niles, Michigan, and I and I walked away with six amateur national titles. So, we, it, I mean, Chris was kind of someone I battled. I didn't, I didn't battle Scotty Parker until we got to the to, you know, really when it counted and, and, uh, you know, I'm not taking nothing away from Chris Carr. He, he was a, you know, a, uh, a better grand national rider than me, obviously with the number ones he held, but, but I, I, I feel privileged to race with him with, uh, as an amateur. And that, that when we finally met that, uh, that I, that I held up the, the more amateur titles. So, but I, I respect um, Scott Parker for, you know, his voice and in the sport. And I remember watching him again back to those uh, regional races when he was a a clots rider and uh, not the factory ride and and uh, earned. He was clipping bales in the day too, so I like the style. And as a lot of people liked your style, clipping bales as well. I gotta ask, man. You know, uh, one of my things is. you know, I kind of like to know what people drink, man. You know, uh, I'm going to ask you a real quick question. But on top of that, if you have a specific drink 
that Rusty Rogers likes to drink. I would love to hear it. But uh, or maybe you don't even drink. I don't know. Maybe it could be iced tea, you know, uh, Southern boy. Right. Iced tea. Uh, but beer or whiskey. What is Rusty Rogers drinking? Beer or whiskey? We're going to stay away from the whiskey. That gets dangerous. So I'll say beer, but I like Red Bull. All right. Sounds good, man. <laughs> I'll go with that. I got last one for you, buddy. Dirt track or flat track? What do you call it? Oh, I call it dirt track. Oh, that's, I'm a Southern oh. boy. I, I was raised on high bank clay ovals. That ain't flat. <laughs> I love that's, it, man. Dude, I love it. We get that a lot, dude. We get that a lot. There ain't nothing flat about a flat track. Yeah, I agree. Changed somehow along the way. Yeah, a flat track in our sport, and my boy's sport is called an off-camber. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. We know you're super busy. Uh, best wishes to you, your son, and his racing career. Maybe I'll uh, have to look you guys up. If you're ever up this way in the Pennsylvania region, let me know. I'd like to come watch you ra- uh, watch him race and uh, chat with you a bit. And also, uh, shout out to your wife for uh, helping me dial you in. And also, yeah. we have a we have a giveaway we want to announce. We have a Rusty Rogers signed photo that we're going to give away. Um, shout out to the Rogers family and Flat Track Photos for helping make that happen. So we'll give you guys some more details on how to win that. Uh, it's a badass photo. So um, again, Rusty, appreciate appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Let's stay in touch, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I'd like to again on that shout out on the photo. Dave Hoeing, he's always has always had the shot, always had the photos for me. Uh, you know, we had a he's always posted the the, the right stuff and and uh, thanks to Dave for throwing those photos in for our uh, our chat this evening and and I got one and y'all got one and a fan gets one that is that's totally awesome and we appreciate that and all the time you think about us old overweight guys sitting in a lawn chair dreaming about racing. Man, Rusty, I got to say, man, uh, I I just got to tell you, thank you for taking the time to talk to guys like me and Corey and a hell of a lot of fans that have uh, that are sitting out there wanting to hear from uh, Rusty Rogers. It's really, really cool, man, to hear from you. And uh, it's been uh, a dream come true for me to talk to you. I know it's been a dream come true for for Corey. So I just want to say thanks, man. It's really cool to hear you share some of those experiences with us and all of our fans on uh, this Tank Slapping podcast. I got to say, you know, I don't want to put my uh, my foot in my mouth, but, you know, Tank Slapping to me is uh, something that you don't plan uh, you know, nobody plans on having a tank slapper. It's just something that kind of happens. And, uh, man, you know, if there is any one guest that could uh, solidify tank slapping or what tank slapping is all about and the riding style that comes with that, you know, it's got to be Rusty Rogers, man. There's nobody more exciting than Rusty Rogers to watch. The human highlight reel, it's been a huge pleasure. Thanks for talk- talking to us, Rusty. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You keep them tank slappers away. You give them more gas. (laughs) Later, buddy. We'll keep in touch. Thanks again. All right. Thank you all. All right, man. See ya. All righty. Rusty Rogers, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, well worth the wait. Golly, that last story with... uh, his his win at Hagerstown and uh, and Parkersburg was was one of a kind. So yeah, shout out shout out to also like I mentioned on the show, we're giving you guys a, a, a um, flat track photos, signed 
autographed picture of Rusty Rogers. We made that happen. I, I made them throw in a, another one for me. I want a Rusty Rogers photo to hang in my garage. So, so uh, yeah, pretty pretty awesome. And uh, I was, I'm stoked to be able to talk to that guy. I got a we got a cell phone number now. I can like text him memes. Like we're we're bros now. I'm gonna hit him up. It's just just to talk. Like all the time. Yeah, I will be like, what's up, Rusty? What's up, hey, bro? Man? What do you, <laughs> yeah, what's up, what are you bro? doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, do you, hey. what do you mean? <laughs> no, I just, I just, I'm just hanging out, watching, watching Frozen. You know, just chilling. Like, what are you up to? Let's <laughs> just, just hit him up. <laughs> That's great, man. That that was so cool. I, I mean, Corey, I know that was cool for you, but like that was on. Even for me, man, that was really cool to talk to Rusty Rogers. And like I said, man, not to uh, beat a dead horse, but like, you know, when I think of tank slapping, man, I just think of things, you know, like, like I said, nobody plans uh, a tank slap, but sometimes things get out of control, man, and a little wild and ain't nobody more wilder than Rusty Rogers. So that was, that was amazing, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah, we talked last week. We talked about the uh, the Mount Rushmore of racetracks. I think we uh, I think we settled on the the three were Springfield Mile, Ascot, Peoria, and then me and Sammy had San Jose and Sacramento. Sacramento for me and San Jose for Sammy. Um, we talked a little bit last week about the Mount Rushmore of riders, and I'll let Sammy kind of briefly run through. He put up a post on Facebook and. Quite a few different answers there, but I'll let Sammy run through his list and maybe what some of the people had on uh, on Facebook. Um, I'm sure it varies. There's no right or wrong answer. Well, I feel like mine are mine are pretty good, but there's no right, there's no <laughs> right or wrong answer. Of course, it's it's debatable. debatable but yeah, I'll let Sammy run through his list and uh, yeah, what maybe a couple couple wild cards that people might have said online, and then uh, we'll we'll address that. Well, yeah, man, you know, um, I just want to say thanks to everybody that kind of like I like Corey said, I threw a little something out on uh, Insta and on Facebook and like the response was incredible. So to 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 go through the list of people that uh, responded would take like uh, a whole episode. But, you know, I'm going to start off with my little list. And then I want to mention a couple special people that chimed in on this through Facebook you know, Facebook and Instagram, uh, Corey, I know you got your list. I can't wait to hear it, man. Uh, I'm just going to give you my personal little take on it. So I kind of thought, man, like that's such, such a tough question, man. And there's so many different eras and people that belong on that, on that Mount Rushmore. So the way I personally broke it down is I went old school, like who's black. Like when I think of like, Who's black and white photos, right? I thought, okay, let's break it down. Old school black and white. And then I'm like, this I'm a big fan of the 70s. So I gotta I'm okay, I gotta do the 70s. And then let's do the 80s. And then we'll do the 90s, 2000s as kind of like one group, right? So um to go with the old school, I personally picked Carol West Weber, uh, because that guy had an incredible career. Uh, short career because uh, due to injury, but that guy's career and his and his accomplishments lasted in the record books all the way. And this was like late 50s, early 60s, 
all the way to Scotty Parker's time. So, like, you know, that was a pretty hard record to break. And you talk to the old school guys, man, they're going to talk about Russ Weber for sure. Um, moving on past that, I, you know, you think of the 70s, man, and what people did for racing uh, and results and you know you think a lot of things like that or at least i do and i think of uh you know they call him the king they don't call him the king for nothing so i gotta go with kenny roberts so i got carol west weber i got kenny roberts and then you move to the 80s man and that's a tough era man it's just like oh man there's so many guys ricky graham Bubba schobert you know i don't know man that's a that's a really that's a real toss-up to me it's like what thumb do you want to cut off you know, it's like, you can't answer that. It's like Ricky Graham, of course, greatest talent ever. Bubba Schobert, what he accomplished in such a short amount of time, really tough one. Um, on a personal level, uh, just because I'm a California guy, I'm going to go with uh, Ricky Graham on that for just like ungodly natural talent and uh, a little tip of the hat to like guys like Johnny Go that uh, kind of fill me in on some Ricky Graham stories and, and a little bit of my family. So I'm going to go Carol Westweber, King Kenny Roberts, uh, Ricky Graham for the 80s, and then the 90s, man. Oh, my God. Like really? Like that's uh, so hard. Uh, of course, you know, you want to go with guys like Scotty Parker, man, you know, nine championships, like 97, damn near 100 wins, whatever it was. That's pretty, like, incredible. I, I don't know how you can bat against that. But, you know, uh, Corey, I seen you talk about Chris Carr, and you put a lot of things in my head with that. And, you know, Chris Carr was a, a really good all-around rider. Uh, you know, whether it was short track, TT, half mile, mile, he was a great ambassador for the sport. He did a lot of great things. So all that mumble jumble set aside, I got to go Russ Weber, King Kenny Roberts, Ricky Graham, and uh, Chris Carr. You can beat me up over that. That's fine. I get it. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no man. I, or, uh, I know, right? Well, it's Parker or Carr. Like, come on, man. But like, if you Car think about it. But, like, Carr, like, Parker dominated dirt track, which he did, no doubt about it. But, like, Carr, I kind of feel like, man, he was a, he was a, a better all of See, the this thing might... is, you don't have to have the Carr and Parker, Parker argument. Like, it's not Carr or Parker. They're shoe-ins, in my opinion. Okay. Now, now, all right. Let me hear what you got. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. In my, in my opinion, you think of dirt track, there's – three guys automatically that almost everybody knows when they think of flat track. Okay. Parker, Carr, Springsteen. So Absolutely. I'll start with Parker. There are no circumstances where Parker is not on the list. Most career wins, most career championships, strong personality, factory Harley rider, won the most iconic race ever, 14 times, Springfield Mile, Sacramento 13 times. So he won our Daytona 500 14 straight times. He's got 90 million wins. Um, there's no, right there's no reason. <laughs> no, just listen. There's no reason Parker's not on the list. Then you go to Chris Carr, and I was baffled at your Facebook post at the amount of people that left Chris Carr off their their Rushmore. In my opinion, there's, again, no circumstances where Carr isn't on this list. 76 career wins, seven titles. He went road racing in the prime of his career, I think it was for two seasons, 
he also it was on a Harley, which was a shitbox road race bike, and he got on True. pole. He, he finished. He sat on pole. I think it was Sonoma on the Superbike Harley. Pomona. Pomona. Okay, the Harley Superbike. He sat on pole. So, um, and with a different schedule, you know, back then when Carr and Parker were battling for championships, there was I think one TT at Peoria, one short track at Daytona. Carr was a more well more well rounded rider than Parker. That's not really an argument. Um, Parker's phenomenal, but Carr was a better, more, more well-rounded rider with a different schedule, maybe something more like we have now, or maybe more so, so, you know, before that era, like the Astrodome and, and things like that. Uh, Carr might have three, four more titles. Um, so, you know, most, like I said, you mentioned the two most well-rounded rider did it on XR 750, did it on a Rotax. And then, in the newer era, he did it on a DTX 450. He did it on a moto bike that was set up for flat track. Helped start American Super Camp, which is the most well-known flat track school. Worked for AFT as a commentator, race director. And then you go a little bit farther back. He has seven 600cc national titles. He has a junior national title, Western expert and novice national titles. Um, I think Carr's full list of accomplishments might be better than Parker's not at the top level, but more titles throughout his career. So, um, so all that said, Corey, I want to know: Is it Parker or Carr in your Rushmore? They're both. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. definitely. I mean, let me get to my other, the, my other four here. Right. Um, your other four. I'm sorry, my other two. My, okay. my four total. So Par- Parker and Carr are number one and two. Um, yeah, I, I could go back and forth with who's who is better, Parker or Carr. Obviously, Parker got the best of Carr more times than Carr Parker. No but, doubt, no doubt. But, but you know, it's 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 debatable. Like Carr went road racing for a couple years. You know, the schedule favored Parker a little bit more. Um, different riding styles, but no, they're they're both the one and two. And then you have Springsteen. And when you think of flat track, he is the first guy that comes to so many people's minds. He has 43 career wins, three titles. He won his first championship when he was 19 years old, and he won the Springfield Mile when he was like 43 years old. So he was at at the game for a long time. That's awesome, he, man. He had some That's... stomach illnesses. He battled for a lot of years. He probably would have more. He probably had more championships and wins. But dude is iconic, smoking a cigarette, going to the starting line, long hair, still goes out now, like he does the Sacramento races a few years back, and sets lap times good enough to finish top 10 in, in the main event at like 55, 60 years old, however old he was, or whatever. Insane, um, insane. Yeah. Springer is my third, my third option. And then those three for me were set in stone. And then my fourth pick was a little tough. I, man, I've been thinking about this for a while. And I'm going with Ricky Graham. Uh, and this fourth pick, I think anybody could be a little biased depending on what era they grew up in. Um, for me, Rez Weber was really close. Um, just speaking with Dave Despain on how great Carol Rez Weber was, uh, opened my eyes a little bit more. Bubba Schobert did so much in such, such a short amount of time. Um, and even Jared Meese, uh, I hate to give the guy credit cause he can be a dick sometimes, but Jared is, he's third on the all time win list. He's got five or six titles now. Jared is, is very well making his, uh, his run at, at, um, at possibly being on Rushmore of flat track before it's all said and done. But for me, Ricky G 
is just an iconic guy. The stories of Ricky G are almost folklore. 12 races in a season, dominated as a privateer against the three guys I just mentioned before him. Springer, Carr, Parker, he kicked their asses in 1993. He has two titles uh, previous to that. Um, and, and Ricky, as many people know, he had inner demons he battled with his whole life. Um, he had, you know, problems that he, he battled through and he left the sport for a while, ran inconsistent seasons. Um, but talent wise, he's right up there with guys, Kenny Roberts, Nikki Hayden, most talented three guys I've ever seen ride a flat track bike. Um, so yeah, those are my four. Um, I, I kind of, you know, Roberts, like I said, on my talent Rushmore, he's up there. He just didn't do as much as the guys I've mentioned. You know, he went road racing. So as far as motorcycling, maybe, um, you know, with the road racing aspect. But I just there's not four guys who have done more. Um, you know, Res Weber makes the best case. I've seen Nixon, possibly uh, Bart Markle, some other guys people mentioned. But, you know, they have two titles compared to these guys who have three seven and nine so uh go ahead sam i'll let you kind of rebuttal my yeah, no, my rush no. for a bit i totally disagree with you no i'm just kidding no uh <laughs> well well said man you know i mean you know this is like dude we could talk about this could be its own show ongoing ongoing because there's no wrong answers and you know there's so many guys that are so good for so many different reasons of course man and like i said uh or like you said you know we put this out on uh instagram and facebook and we got a lot of response from it uh and you know i just want to kind of mention uh a couple of responses that i really um you know, respected, um, uh, Kevin Oligies or guess, should I say all Kevin all his father was like, a uh, a, a Duke was a, uh, an official back in the day, uh, around the Illinois area. Kevin's from Elgin, Illinois, and he had a pretty cool answer, man. So I always respect, uh, his, uh, his take, you know, or what he has to say. And on his list was Parker, Wes Weber, Nixon, and Springer, which, once again, man, how could you ar- argue that? Um, you know, and another guy that, uh, man, I've, uh, through through the, through technology, I've become a really, I consider him a friend, man. His name is Keith Williams. Uh, he uh, is from Texas. I think he's originally from Oklahoma, but he lives in Texas now. And uh, when I say through technology, man, I'm going back to the MySpace days. And this is a guy that I've been able to share photos with or talk about a subject that just really gets it. And, you know, he gave an answer on Facebook that just really kind of was like, wow. And, um, the way he put it was like, hey, man, if I'm thinking of uh, Mount Rushmore, I'm thinking of forefathers of racing. So he kind of broke it down into the into that aspect of, of forefathers. And he put uh, Joe Petrali and Jim Davis as the oldest guys up on his Mount Rushmore. And then to somewhat, you know, jump ahead a little bit. He uh, he backed that up with guys like Joe Leonard and uh, a toss up between Bart Markle and Carol Westweber. So I thought that was a really cool answer because, you know, that was a nice tip of the hat 
to the guys uh, that I would consider the founding fathers of uh, our sport. So that was really cool to hear from Keith and Kevin. And then, you know, there's a lot of guys like uh, photographer, Mitch uh, Friedman, man, Bill Ripley from California. I can go on and on. Like the list is insane and nobody has a wrong answer. Well, another uh, thing too, there's four presidents, people. I saw some people were listing two, some were listing six. You had a picture of the Rushmore on your thing when you posted this. Four presidents. So four people, guys. Four. Four. Not two, not five, not six. There's four. And you pick, and if, and you're really good. And I just don't think it's possible to leave Parker or Carr off the Rushmore. Everything else is debatable. Gotta have Parker and Carr. You just have to. I mean, they're double the accomplishments of almost everybody. So, um, so that was the only thing. I just, yeah. I mean, they, there's good guys, like they're phenomenal riders, but there's only four spots. And Chris, not having Chris Carr on the flat track Rushmore is a travesty. So I agree, man. I agree. There was, I, yeah. And part if, if it was up to me, that route, Mount Rushmore would have like a hundred dudes on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, not everyone gets I mean, maybe not a hundred, but like it would have a ton of dudes. This is a problem with America. We get participation ribbons out too easily these days. You know, there's four guys. <laughs> no, but now in all seriousness, I mean, out. you got to stick your neck out and just stand up for your guy on this question. I get it. You know, uh, uh, no, well, no, it has I, nothing to do with my guy. It has nothing to do with my guy. Whether or not he's my guy or not, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's I'm a flat track nerd, and and I I try to be fair. Like I just um, yeah, I just uh, those four guys is what. It's hard to leave any of them off. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's tough. We, go on and on about it, but no, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll have to. Uh, I kind of for our, my next one, Sam. I want to do. I've been talking about Ricky Wins said a little bit lately in his Daytona win. I wouldn't mind doing the Mount Rushmore of underdog performances. Um, maybe that's what we can work on next. The four underdog performances of all time in flat track, the shockers of the worlds. Um, that would be really cool, man. I remember that Daytona and, uh, you know, that, that Daytona that Ricky Winsett won. I mean, I'm not going to talk about it cause I, I can tell you, I was there, I raced it, and you know what? I sucked that night, and that's a special memory for me on the suck level. But um, also, more importantly, man, I remember sitting on that infield and watching that main event, and that was one of the greatest wins in our sports history as far as I'm concerned uh, for an underdog just smoke. Well, I wouldn't say smoking, but winning a national. And uh, all due respect to Ricky Winsett on that, so – I'm all aboard on that one. Cool. We will work on that. Again, we want to thank uh, our sponsors, Bell Power Sports. All three champions from last year wore Bell Power Sports helmets, the Bell Race Star Flex to be exact. Check out bellhelmets.com to, vo- to view their full line of products. Um, also, a shout out to Vancouver Flat Track Club. VFTC is a group of friends who like to go fast. They host flat track races at the Pemberton Speedway, located between Whistler and and Pemberton on Highway 99 in British Columbia. Check out their website at VancouverFlatTrackClub.com. We appreciate all the fans for for tuning in. As always, check us out on social media. Um, We appreciate the support. And also, we wanted to give a shout-out to two of our newest sponsors as well. Fredericktown Yamaha is a huge supporter of our show. They were supporters of Rusty Rogers. 
make sure you check them out. If you need any kind of parts, anything for your motocross bike, looking for a Yamaha, hit up Ian Riley at Fredericktown Yamaha. They promote the Barbara Fritchie Classic and, and uh, the, the Steve Nace series. They do a lot of great things for the sport. Um, Fredericktown Yamaha and also we're trying to well we're trying I'm not I'm not doing much but the Fredericktown Yamaha people they're trying to to make this Barbara Fritchie happen for the 99th season um, this year we're not sure what's going to happen but it's the oldest running race in the country and they're trying to get to 100 years so Barbara Fritchie Classic if you're able to make that event in Frederick Maryland Put that on your calendar. It's July 4th every season. It's a great, great event. It's July 4th, America, flat track. Uh, put that on your schedule. If you're anywhere within, let's say, 14 hours of Frederick, Maryland, put that on your schedule. And, um, you know, huge shout out to Fredericktown Yamaha, Barbara Fritchie Classic. Um, we appreciate you guys coming on, supporting the the podcast. So many riders over the years, they've helped out. Sammy Halbert, Paul Lynch, myself. Uh, the list, I mean, it doesn't do any justice. There's dozens and dozens of riders they've helped, they've helped out. So thank you guys for supporting our show. Absolutely, man. Uh, Frederick, uh, Maryland is a, to me, that is, when I think of flat track, dirt track, or, you know, just in general, Frederick, Maryland is on that list, man. It's one of the coolest events around. And uh, I'm really glad that Mr. Riley puts that event on and carries that tradition of the Barbara Fritchie Classic. It's one of my favorite races. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to be there for this year. And I'm really looking forward to the 99th and the 100th. Yes. Some former, before we wrap this up, some former winners he sent me of that race. Rodney Ferris, Larry Pagram, George Roeder, Ricky Graham, Steve Moorhead, Rusty Rogers, Jared Meese, Brad Baker, Sam Halbert, Higgins, Brandon Price, and uh, the guy speaking, Corey Texter. <laughs> oh, you won that one. Well, my name in. Well, Corey, did he mention anybody that finished like seventh or eleventh ever? <laughs> you might have heard my name in that case. <laughs> I seen the photos, buddy. I seen the photos. <laughs> uh, thanks again, guys, for keeping the show going. Hit us up, subscribe, leave us a review. It all helps, keeps us going, and uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. Thanks. Peace.